WandaVision Episode 7, a heavy amount of Marvel news and the return of one of Star Wars' most polarizing figures. We talk about all of that and more. Peep the time codes, jump ahead, let's get it. Truth is, I am a Jedi and I am burdened with glorious purpose. <laughs> Tony Stark was able to build this in a cave! Blow that piece of junk out of the sky! See you in a minute. My man! I could do this all day. This is the way. But I'm also a big fan of justice. I'm vengeance. I'll show you the dark side. Why did you say that, man? Come on! Let's get nuts. Assemble. We are back! The Direct Podcast, episode 21. Very excited to be here. I am the Scarlet Matt Rimke here, as always, with my co-host, the Colossus of Clicks, Mr. Liam Crowley. Liam, how are we? another fantastic friday matt I, I can't complain marvel I fridays can't complain. marvel fridays it's the it's the best day of the week i look forward to it every single day and uh yeah i know everyone listening you're listening on sundays we talk about fridays if it's the present you know when you're okay. listening but it's i just i feel so happy you know you love fridays so much content well it's why we record on fridays because the energy mm -hmm. is at an all-time high i saw this somewhere on the internet and I can't 100% confirm it because I have yet to do the research. It's a total lack of effort on my part. But with the new news of uh, Marvel's Marvel Studios Assembled, the docu-series series mm -hmm. coming out, uh, very uh, Mandalorian gallery type. Yes, and sir. you add on top of that the Marvel Legends stuff that they release before every new project. Mm -hmm. I th I I'm pretty sure every Friday for the remainder of 2021 will feature new marvel content can you believe that that's just the greatest news of all time every how, how can you complain week. you can't you can't i mean just and doing doing some quick math in my head i know not a math guy a numbers guy but numbers we still guy have not hawkeye. a math guy uh -huh. exactly we still have hawkeye miss marvel, marvel what if and oh, falcon Winter soldier and loki that's yeah. five more shows just average let's say average six episodes a show that's 30 weeks covered add movies Add movies, the docu series the we've already had. Mm -hmm. We might we might start doubling up. That's how packed uh, this year. Double up. Get. Uh, uh. It's a little reference there for all you hip hip kids out there. Um. So guys, <laughs> we here at the Direct Podcast are so excited to be here talking to everybody who decides to listen to us. Thank you for allowing us to enter your brain and talk to you on this fine fine day. But a quick production note, quick update on the show. We're a fluid situation. You got to stay water. You have to adapt to whatever happens. So, guys, we love putting this show together together every single week. News, interviews, reviewing new content, fun feature segments. We love doing all of it. But we also aim to make this show as digestible as possible. And with the way these reviews are shaping up and new content every single week, we are struggling to keep these things under two hours, which is a goal of ours. We want you guys to have the best listening experience possible, and we think keeping it as short as we can, as airtight as we can, is important. So, in light of that, in an effort to make these shows more efficient so everyone listening can get the most out of them, we are going to be moving forward by taking a break from the weekly feature segments and the weekly interviews that we have become accustomed to over the past couple months. Now... I know what you're thinking, Matt, Matt, you're saying these feature segments, these interviews, I love them. What are you doing? Why are you getting rid of them? We are not getting 
rid of them. They are staying right here on the direct podcast. We are simply not going to be doing them every single week. We feel like the news and these reviews, specifically these Marvel reviews for WandaVision, upcoming Falcon and Winter Soldier, and everything else we have, they they got to take precedent, and we got to make sure that we keep those on the forefront. But we love all of the support for this podcast on social media, specifically for all of our drafts, for all of our lists, for all of our interviews. We thank everybody for getting out there and telling us how much they love them. So if you are upset about this news that we will not be doing weekly features or weekly interviews, let us know. Talk to us, guys. Like I said, we're willing to be water. We're willing to be flexible with what you guys want to listen to. So reach out me at Matt Rimke, R-O-E-M-B as in boy K-E, and him at Liam T. Crowley on Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Let us know how you feel about this production switch. And guys, if if enough of you want these features, if enough of you want these interviews on a weekly basis, that might be the big push we need to get two of these out of week. It's a goal of ours. It's a lofty one, but you know, we got it, we gotta start somewhere. And so yeah, just look moving forward. It's not going to be as predictable every week, guys. We're going to keep you on your toes. You know, we're going to zig. You're going to think we're zagging. You're going to go left, and we're going to go right. You know, we're just out here to give you guys everything you want. So thanks for hanging with us. And uh, Liam, I think that's going to lead us to our quick question of the week. Yeah. Here we go. So, WandaVision. You ever heard of it? Uh, Once or twice. Yeah. It's a good show. Well, little indie show, right? The Big good show. So it's it's about to wrap up. We have two more mm. weeks left of WandaVision, guys. We need to appreciate it. We need to hold on to it. You know, like this is something that we need to cherish while it's here. And my question is, the quick question. When WandaVision's all said and done, this is obviously a very top-tier Marvel project, you know, so far. Seven episodes in, nothing but good stuff. If as long as they don't fumble the ending, it's gonna end up being a pretty high-ranked. Marvel project. So I guess my question is, Liam, how do you see yourself comparing WandaVision to the rest of the MCU? And for that matter, how do you see yourself comparing these shows, specifically on Disney Plus, HBO Max, and other streaming services like that, to the films and movies that we grew up loving? Man, it's it feels so weird to hear grew up loving because I'm like, I'm I'm 20. I don't feel like super old yet. But the sure. reality is you know, Iron Man was 13 years ago now. That's crazy to think about. Um, but yeah, comparing the shows and movies, there's kind of two sides to the coin. You'll have half the people who say, you know, too many filler episodes. The movies are better because you can sit down in one sitting and, and get through uh, an entire movie. And you kind of know what you're expecting. If you're going to sit down and rewatch Infinity War, you're going to get a lot of top tier action. And the pacing is going to be super consistent and the movie's going to keep on moving. But on the other side, these shows... You know, we've only really had one in the MCU so far, and then obviously Mandalorian to compare it to. But when it's all said one. and done, when 2021 is over, I think we're going to look at each of the individual shows that we've got as the best character work in the MCU, strictly because they have the benefit of being serialized. When you can tell a story over nine episodes, over six episodes, tell mini movies, which is kind of what we're going to get in Falcon and Winter Soldier, and you can focus on specific characters. This show has been a complete uh, case study on who Wanda Maximoff is as a person. Her being a supporting character in big ensemble pictures doesn't allow you to do that. So from a character standpoint, I think these shows are going to be in your top tens of Marvel projects going forward. But from a pacing standpoint, I can see why people 
might put a one division in a top 15, if that makes sense. It does. And, and, and it may, it raises a good point of, you know, we have to look at these different, you know, a little bit, like we're going to do our best at the end of all of this to take one division season one as a whole. And, 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 you know, we're going to put it in our, the direct MCU rankings list. You know what I mean? I'm in charge of that over at the direct. And I'm so curious to see how people rankings guy. That's right. I'm so curious to see how people are going to approach taking a whole season and comparing it to a movie because, you know, like you said with Mandalorian and like you even said with WandaVision, if it came out all in one day, you know, if Mandalorian dropped all in one day and we didn't get it week by week, all we talk about is Luke Skywalker. That's it. If if WandaVision came out all in one day, we wouldn't talk about all the great, you know, we wouldn't talk about episode three. We wouldn't talk about the amazing opening scene from episode four. We wouldn't talk about the dinner scene from episode one. You know, that seems like small potatoes, seven episodes in. But like in the moment that week, what an intense moment that was for WandaVision. So it's so interesting to think about, you said it yourself, from a character standpoint, the shows have the advantage of time. But from a pacing and action standpoint, the movies have the benefit of, you know, being a contained story, a, a sit down once kind of thing. So I wonder what can we strip away from these projects to uh, kind of, you know, hedge the advantages that the shows or the movies or the Avengers movies versus Ant-Man have you know what i mean the you know because that's an age-old that's an age-old conversation the avengers movies the big team-up movies yeah they're better because everybody's in them but does that make them better movies than some of these solo films that we love does that make them better projects than some of the more grounded stories that people like and if you like a grounded story does a big space epic mean that it's not as good because it's not a grounded story? An example that, you know, is just born and bred here in the direct podcast. It's Thor Ragnarok guys. Uh, Liam doesn't like Thor Ragnarok. He, he nope. has it as a bottom tier MCU movie. Me personally, I have it as a top tier MCU movie. I'm not saying either one of us is wrong, but I, I just wonder what we can do to these movies to kind of strip away the personal influences to make them more comparable side by side you know what what um what odds can we give some of these smaller scale movies or what um advantages can we give some of these more co comedy big space epic movies so they do resonate with somebody like liam who likes a winter soldier because it, it always comes back to just because it's not the dark knight just because it's not empire doesn't mean it's still not an elite project you know what I mean? There's there's a there's space in between Avengers Endgame and Thor: The Dark World. You know what I mean? Like like that gap is big. How can I? How can we strip it apart to really make it as comparable as possible? I don't really have an answer for you because I don't I think, think that's there the, is one. <laughs> that's the beauty of, of of the internet and opinion based film. Like Thor Ragnarok, I'll admit objectively as a critic, you you love the movie because it's a good time. It tells a fun story. But for me personally. I wanted something else out of it for, for WandaVision, you know, you walk in coming off the heels of Endgame and Spider-Man Far From Home and you want great action. And you might be one of those people saying, you know, where is it? Seven episodes in what's going on. But then if you look at it from a case study, you know, yeah, on, on the Wanda, on the Wanda Maximoff character and essentially on vision too. Now, I feel like you can objectively say it's good. So 
I don't know. We're getting real philosophical early on on, on the direct podcast today, but I, <laughs> I love it because these debates are what make this fandom and this community so great. It's the fact that me and you, we don't, it's not that we don't see eye to eye on some movies, but the fact that we can have like an intellectual conversation about why you like something versus why I like something and, and where we can find middle ground. That's what makes this whole side of the internet um, so great. So uh, I'm I'm hoping there never is an answer, Matt, because I, I love keeping asking that question. Well, I think and I think what the solution, not the answer, but the solution is like what we do over there at the direct. We have over 25 writers at the direct who all vote on our rankings list. And when our MCU rankings list comes out, when WandaVision's over and we place it somewhere, it'll be over 20 different people voting on that. And th I think that is the best way to find the happy median. Deborah Snyder, that's her name, right? Yeah, Deb Snyder. Um, she came out um, a little bit this week and talked about um, her and Zack Snyder's journey throughout the DCEU and Batman vs. Superman came up and she had a good point that, you know, some people seem to hate on Batman vs. Superman because it was too dark, because it was too gritty, because it wasn't what they wanted. And she made a good point. Should a project be, should points be taken away from a project because it isn't what somebody wanted? Like, like, is that the movie's fault that that specific viewer, that specific critic didn't want what they got? Now, in the case of Batman vs. Superman, I think we all wanted a good movie and we got a not good movie. I think that's where the criticism comes in. But I, I, I like her point that just because it was darker and grittier than maybe people expected, that doesn't make it bad. There are other factors at play that, and I think whatever those factors are, we need to tune in on those. So guys, that's our quick question. If you have any thoughts on how to rank these movies or if you if you have any hot takes like if there's a huge popular movie that everybody seems to love but you hate logan um i think that um i think that you should send it to us and we'll talk about it here on this podcast we'll break down the in, in, in the intricate details that lead to that movie being great but you know until then liam so yeah. much happened this week a whole lot whole, whole lot. lot making the headlines big marvel week ladies and gentlemen here it comes liam's gonna kick us off the sizzle reel it was announced this week that marvel studios will be releasing a new docuseries featuring behind the scenes looks at shows and movies in the marvel cinematic universe appropriately titled assembled the first special will focus on one division and will release a week after the finale on march 12th and in similar news it was revealed that marvel legends episodes preparing us for the falcon and the winter soldier will not only feature recaps for sam and bucky but also the journey of sharon carter and yes baron zemo throughout the mcu very exciting stuff Definitely looking forward to that one, but sticking with the Star Spangled series for just a second, Marvel Studios also unveils a new TV spot for the Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Friday, exactly one month before the show begins streaming on March 19th. The 30-second spot offers some new footage as well as an iconic callback with the narration. And in arguably the biggest Marvel production news of the week, it was announced that Danny Elfman has been brought on to score the Sam Raimi-directed Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. And more Marvel 
Woo! The characters Jessica Jones and The Punisher have officially entered the House of Mouse as their rights have moved over to Disney. That means the entirety of the Marvel Netflix roster of heroes is under the same roof. Very exciting stuff, and we're going to keep it going with Marvel news as it has been confirmed through new set footage that Thor's Mighty Hammer Mjolnir will be making an appearance in Thor Love and Thunder. What does this mean? What is the timeline of this movie? We don't know, but this movie keeps getting bigger. And transitioning now to DC, it is all about the Snyder Cut, baby. We got a slew of news this week, including a worldwide release confirmation on March 18th, a hint at Martian Manhunter's screen time, and a look into how the Snyder family has dealt with the criticism of the DCEU so far. And finally, in news from a galaxy far, far away, it was announced that the Ryan Johnson Star Wars trilogy is still very much in the works. What story is he telling? We do not know, but Ryan Johnson is back. And for more information on the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Boba Fett, the Flash, the Batman, and more, make sure to check out thedirect.com. Liam, so much news, so many interesting stories, lots of Marvel stuff. I'm going to ask you, which one do we want to talk about first? like you don't even need to ask me i feel so like we're gonna you talk know about gonna we're gonna talk about the falcon and the winter soldier ladies and gentlemen here we go liam new trailer dropped today we're getting legends episodes for sharon carter and baron zemo hinting that they could be playing a very big role in the series and not just mm. you know a couple episodes here and there what do we think about your most anticipated mcu project well first off it's really cool that the the marketing campaign I kind of want to say officially started today because mm -hmm. we've had trailers before. We had the one Super Bowl spot, but this TV spot was dropped with the Old intention teaser. of going on TV. And mm -hmm. there's no, you know, uh, the Super Bowl spot was a 30 second spot and then go to YouTube for the full trailer. This exists on its own. It's going to be on TV. You're going to see it. Um, if you still have cable at this point, you're going to see it um, on YouTube, you know, ahead of skipping your ads and all that. But yeah, it's really cool because it, it makes it feel more tangible, makes it feel more real. Um, obviously, we know we're getting the series. It's picking up. The fact that, you know, we're getting real close uh, comes along with this footage. And, you know, not a lot of new shots, some new angles at shots we've already seen. Uh, we get a nice new look at the U.S. agent, which is really interesting. He's got his uh, head in his hands. Looks a little ashamed. Just don't know what's going on there. Maybe he's a little conflicted. Maybe they gave him the super soldier serum and he's experiencing some painful side effects. That's just my brain working in some theories. But what I loved about this spot was that narration. Yeah. A good friend of mine once said, the price of freedom is high. It always will be. And it ends there. He doesn't so say it's a price he's willing to pay. So, so you know, good. he might be a little conflicted there. But just that that subtle nod, hearing that line of dialogue, obviously being I would argue it's Captain America's first iconic speech in the MCU. He gives a great one in Age of Ultron that comes after, and then everyone remembers the one from Endgame. But that speech over the intercom at Shield, letting all the employees know Hydra's taken over. This is how we're running business. And, you know, I'm willing to bet team. I'm not the only one that's going to work uh, to make sure things are right. The fact that they call it back to that just kind of further emphasizes the tone we're going to get in this series. They keep making Cap Winter Soldier callbacks, not necessarily Cap Civil War. Some Cap First Avenger, you know, subtle with the suit and everything going on at that display at the museum. But the, the heavy emphasis on the Winter Soldier makes me believe more that it's going to be a spiritual successor to that film. 
which obviously gets me so excited because I'm excited for that tone to return. Obviously, Civil War had similar vibes as the Winter Soldier, but we all kind of look at that as Avengers 2.5. I think that's fair to say. The fact that we're going to be returning to this grounded storytelling, uh, this espionage spy thriller vibe uh, that I love from 2014's Cap 2, uh, I, I couldn't be more excited. And this spot was just just another layer on such a great Friday. Like Marvel, you didn't need to do this, but I'm so happy that you did. They keep giving us everything we want. And I and something I really appreciate about this show and the promotion of it so far, um, you know, you look back to leading into WandaVision, the promotion for WandaVision was just incredible. Like it got the anticipation as high as it could possibly be. Obviously coming off of WandaVision, we're all going to be excited for the Falcon and Winter Soldier anyway. But what I really like from the Super Bowl commercial, the trailer that came out afterwards and today's TV spot the energy from this show really seems to be a new, fresh kind of take. Falcon, uh, um, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, obviously, you know, top 10 comic book movie of all time, top five Marvel movie, you know, like it's it's an elite level thing. The tone of that movie, very visceral, very gritty, very um, low key in a weird way, you know, which is interesting because the plot involves three giant uh, flying helicarriers, but... <laughs> Um, you know, it's a very uh, grounded, visceral kind of tone. This, mm -hmm. these trailers, these commercials, these TV spots, they seem to bring a lot of upbeat energy. You know, you got the hip hop track in the back. I don't know who's doing. Is this Junkie? I I don't think it's Junkie XL. No, let me this, let me that's give Amigo, a that's Amigo's song though. I think they keep using over and oh, over. Oh, is you ready? Yeah, whole yeah. squad ready. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought Migos was one person until two years ago. But um, so I, I, I appreciate the energy that they're bringing into this, which makes sense because Sam Wilson has that kind of, you know, back talking, you know, I'm, I'm, I just do what he does. I just do it slower, that more fun energy than Steve Rogers gives off. And I think that counters well with whatever energy Bucky's given off, which is just pissed, it seems, right? <laughs> but um, this show seems a lot more upbeat than uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, which I think if you combine, you know, the storytelling and the espionage stuff from Winter Soldier and add an upbeat style, it's going to make it feel fresh. It's going to make it feel fun. And I just cannot wait to see Falcon flying around, dude. His, yeah. these, these track shots we're about to get in the show are going to be epic. Epic. I love that, you know, we talk about how great WandaVision is because it's a case study on the character of Wanda Maximoff. You know, Falcon has had his you know, spotlighted moments in the ensembles before, but you give him a full six episode series, we're going to get a lot of really dope, um, you know, looks into his character. But, you know, this show is going to bring the action. These trailers are not holding it back whatsoever. And yeah, those tracking shots, man, they're going to be sweet. It's going to be awesome. So let's move on to a galaxy far, far away. I feel like I won. You know what I mean? Like, like mm -hmm. I, feel, I feel like this is a victory for everyone who is a Ryan Johnson Star Wars fan. Um, the last Jedi, I, I am a truther. I, uh, I, I apologize for the last Jedi a lot. Um, but you know, it's, it's easily one of the most polarizing star Wars movies there is, you know what I mean? And kind of to kind of combine it with what Deb Snyder was saying, a lot of people expected something that they didn't get and that's why they didn't like it. But I really enjoyed the fresh take on Star Wars and the fact that Ryan Johnson's getting another crack at a, a full trilogy to really tell a collaborative three-story arc um, story in the Star Wars universe. I'm very excited. Do we have any predictions on what type of story he's telling? Is this going to be force-driven? Is it going to be galaxy-driven? Is this something new we haven't seen before? 
Do you have any have any guess? Uh, well, I think it's going to be very distinct from the Skywalker saga because I think that's where he can succeed. I feel like Ryan Johnson has really done a 180 in terms of public approval. Um, even though, you know, you have people that love The Last Jedi like yourself. And I admittedly enjoyed a lot more after watching The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, and that that's, you know, it, it, it helps elevate The Last Jedi because <laughs> you appreciated the new stuff that they were trying to do. The risk but Ryan Johnson... Ryan Johnson has really done a 180 with public approval with knives out. You know, everyone's talking about, you know, we want knives out too. We want more Ryan Johnson. And the fact that he's hot right now, it makes sense that they would, you know, Oh, that script that we kind of put on the back burner. Let's, let's keep that working. I think a way that he can make a star Wars movie that will get, you're not going to please everyone, but we'll get majority public approval is by separating it from the Skywalkers. I feel like the big criticism with the last Jedi was, it deviated too much from the lore that was set up. It, it tried to do fresh things that were too risky. Um, you know, the character of Luke Skywalker, as Mark Hamill has said on record, doesn't feel authentic to who Luke was. You give Ryan Johnson a whole new batch of characters with nothing set up before. Give him, give him the keys to the kingdom. Let him take a corner of the galaxy that has never been touched on before. And I think you're going to get something really, really special. See, that's the trick with Star Wars, though, isn't it? Like, you know, we mm. we have to try to ground this in the Star Wars universe and, you know, what's the big grounding force in the Star Wars universe? The Force, you know what I mean? Jedis, Sith, the whole order, everything. So I think an interesting move that they could do, uh, somebody in the Slack channel mentioned it, set this trilogy way back. And I'm talking, like, like way back. Give him an endpoint. You know, hey, hey, you're going to tell, just arbitrarily, you're going to tell the origin of the Force or something like that, right? Mm. Here's the end point we need you to get to. Get there somehow. I think that is a great way for him to tell his own story, but still loop it into the Star Wars universe. The Mandalorian did such a good job feeling like it was in the Star Wars universe without really being dependent on former projects. This could be a fresh take on that. You know, it's giving one element from this vast nine movie no 11 movie universe that we have take one element from it and really stretch it out and just build around that i think that's the formula that favreau set up the formula that filoni executed and um i think ryan johnson's gonna have a great time if we can get peyton reed involved i'm gonna be much much more excited somehow executive producer whatever i'm a big peyton reed star wars fan you know what i mean i think i think yeah. I, I think that guy's got a future Star Wars project in the books. Um, Liam, do we want to talk about anything else? Did anything else tickle your fancy, or should we move right into the good stuff? I mean, I did kind of want to touch on on the Mjolnir return uh, oh. very briefly, because when Cap goes back in time in Endgame, he returns not just the stones, but he returns the hammer. Right. So, you know, when he course corrects everything that went awry, it's assumed that he returned the hammer to 2013, and then, you know, the events of Ragnarok played out still, and then the hammer got destroyed. So the fact that um, Mjolnir is coming back, it, it raises a question of how is it coming back? Is that going to deal with maybe, even though they course corrected everything, Domino still fell in play and somehow Mjolnir made it out of Ragnarok unscathed? Who knows? But that that nice little layer, it it now for Thor Love and Thunder, we, we have a couple questions. We don't know too much about the plot. We can ask, you know, what's the deal with Gore the God Butcher? How is Jane Foster going to get brought back into the mix? This is our first real tangible question of Mjolnir's back. What does that mean for the story going forward? And that, that little tidbit, it doesn't seem like much, but that subplot 
adds uh, anticipation to me, uh, anticipation for this movie, in my personal opinion. I mean, Mjolnir is a huge player in the Thor saga. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? I mean, obviously, Stormbreaker is, you know, the weapon that Thor has right now. You know, he had it in mm -hmm. game. He had it going out in game. Um, but, you know, we saw what Millionaire can do when picked up by somebody else. Cap got all the power that he needed to take care of business. So I think Millionaire is going to play a big role in the Jane Foster plot. Yeah. Um, you know, th that could be a source. Um, I'm not really sure what it is. Having multiple hammers in one Thor movie really just screams Beta Ray Bill to me. You know, like, yeah. you know, that, that is a classic Beta Ray Bill trope. But, you know, we still haven't got any announcements. Stormbreaker is Beta Ray Bill's weapon after all. So exactly. maybe it's a little switcheroo going on. Who knows? No, no, no. You take the little one. Um, <laughs> and, you know, real quick, very, very quickly, let's. Danny Elfman. Yeah. It's back, baby. The Spider Man 2, um, you know, I've, I've had my words on Spider Man 2. I still love that movie. In my heart, I love that movie. It's, it's uh, the second movie I ever saw in theaters with X Men being the first. And wow. yeah, and um, you, wait, wait, wait. You saw the first X Men in theaters? Oh, yeah. I was six years old. It was awesome. You saw it the like weekend or week I was born. That's sick. You, that's your that? connection with it. My connection, it's the first movie I ever saw. Wow. Look at Look that. that. Deep. Everything matters, guys. Um, but <laughs> um, the fact that Danny Elfman's coming back to score Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, it's incredibly exciting. The score from Doctor Strange 1 was so good. Danny Elfman's a vet. He's going to find a way to evolve it, not change it, which I think is a very good thing. Um, you know, we all know Wanda's going to be in that movie. So I think that, you know, <laughs> when we get her theme in a movie... I'm going to lose my mind. You know how Please Stand By is the worst screen in television right now? Yep. <laughs> we are going to have a subconscious reaction when we hear that theme in a movie. That Wanda's on screen and shit's about to get real. Very exciting. But, uh, you know, speaking of my girl, speaking of Beth Olsen, let's talk about it. WandaVision, episode seven. WandaVision. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into our WandaVision review here on the Direct Podcast this week. WandaVision, Episode 7, Breaking the Fourth Wall. This is an episode where we saw WandaVision take on the contemporary sitcom that we all know and love. Modern Family, Arrested Development, The Office, all played here. Um, you know, big episode, Liam. Big episode. I want to hear your first thoughts. Well, first thoughts, they're going to be kind of similar to last week. And that's that I last week I felt underwhelmed and was fine by it this week. I'm going to say I felt significantly underwhelmed, but I wasn't like upset or anything. This is episode seven. Like I know we touted last week that this was going to begin the third act of the show. And this was the first piece of that. I think people expected this episode to be much bigger than it is. And I know I feel like we keep delaying the inevitable of it's going to get bigger. It's going to get grander in scale. But I honestly, honestly think next week is going to be, you know, our penultimate episode. It's it's going to do the Game of Thrones thing where it gives us our first taste of real action. And then the finale really brings it home. So this episode, if if last week was half filler, half transition, this was a full transition episode getting us towards the main, main plot without spoilers. Obviously, we'll get into that in a little bit. But yeah, this this kind of not a pace killer, uh, a pace staller. I feel like it slowed the momentum down a little bit, but necessarily. I feel like we had to have an episode like this in order to fully experience 
um, and appreciate what we're going to get in the next two weeks. We are mind building right now, Liam, because that's a great transition to my first thoughts. I think mm. a lot of people are going to look at this as a filler episode, but I think we need to classify the difference between a filler episode and a simple change of pace. We we got episodes four and five earlier this season, and they were smack you in the mouth exciting. You know what I mean? No one expected that level of information. No one expected that level of intensity. No one expected that type of season ending consequences to happen in episodes four and five. And it was surprising. It was exciting. You know, we were blindsided by how penultimate they seemed. You know what I mean? So I think that this was more of a change of pace than it was filler, because when you look at it, you know, a filler episode kind of implies we didn't get any memorable moments. It was exploration. It was moving the ball down the court, all that stuff. We got some pretty epic moments in this episode, and we'll talk about them later. But I think you mentioned that we looked at WandaVision as a three-act structure, right? What if we looked at it a little different here? Because it is a TV show. Mm. What if we looked at it as a two-half kind of TV show? A TV show that starts in November, takes a break over Christmas, and then picks back up at the end of January. Think about... And this gets a little tricky because episodes one and two released on the same week. So try to consider that as like one long episode in this sure. little analogy take I'm about to spit at you. Mm -hmm. Think about episodes one and two compared to last week's episode six. Very much um, setting the character dynamics, you know, explaining where everybody's at mentally, kind of getting us reestablished with the world we're living in. And then you look at episode three compared to this episode. Episode three, the first two thirds of it was very much filler-ish, you know what I mean? It was so super sitcom heavy. It was it wasn't very anything hyper interesting. It was the Wanda pregnancy thing that was funny and charming and cute, but nothing. And then the last ten minutes, that silence that you just heard, like that's that's how intense it was. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like like that the intensity of the last part of that episode is what brought us in to four and five, the big oh my gosh moments and then five oh my god another one of these you know what i'm saying and episode seven played a lot like episode three you know the first the first half first two thirds you know moving along sitcom stuff hella exploration and then the end they smack you in the mouth and you know i think i think if we look at it that way as a first half ending in episode five and then a second half ending in episode nine i think this is an appropriate mirrored setup for eight and nine to be as big and bold and beautiful as it can get. Um, can, can we do it? Can we Can we just finally get to it? You know what I mean? Spoiler, spoiler. Spoiler. We are still looking for a more creative way to make the spoiler alert happen. Um, so if you have any suggestions, please reach out to us on social media. This is your spoiler alert for WandaVision episode seven. And the Mephisto Evan Peters theories are dead, dead. So um, I just wanted to get that out of the way. Um, I, 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 small little victory for me there. But having um, amendments to make later. There we go. Hey, when we get to uh, that that side. But, don't uh, accept defeat. Change the change the rules. I love it. Yep, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so uh, off the top, let's get aesthetic. Let's get production. Let's get action. The sitcom the talking head storytelling the acting that came along with it and the commercial what were your thoughts on the production of the office episode the modern family episode the episode that i think resonates with more of the wandavision audience than any other episode prior 
Oh yeah. I mean, the modern family vibes were fantastic. Mm -hmm. This was one of the most, obviously I've seen Malcolm in the middle bits and pieces and I've seen bits and pieces of the Brady bunch, but this was one that I could like sit down and be, I I know that camera angle. I recognize that talking head. I recognize that like quick zoom that those kind of shows do just because I've Mm -hmm. seen so much modern Mm -hmm. family. So that was really cool. Um, from like, I wouldn't even call it a nostalgia standpoint because modern family is like still going on. Right. I've I feel only like ever seen. Se- I've only ever seen the first episode. Oh wow! Well, it, it's ma- just it always, makes me laugh really hard, though. It's a good show. It's <laughs> it's always the show leading into Monday Night Raw or after there Monday Night Raw. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'd catch it in between. Right on. Um, but yeah, the the vibes were were great for the the sitcom theme. Uh, that commercial. Uh, I want to give a shout out to one of our our writers and our our queen editor, yeah. uh, Pam Pam Gores, right? And Gores is how you say the last name? Well, I believe it's Gores. We're gonna get a research department on that, but yes, research department on it. But Pam called it. She literally said that there's gonna be some sort of yep. medical commercial, any emergencies, call your doctor type thing, and we got a nexus pill. Nailed if it. The world doesn't revolve <laughs> around you. You can make it revolve around yeah. you. I thought that was great. So yeah. shout out Pam for getting that spot on, but. But yeah, not not a whole lot of, you know, I enjoyed this episode for what it was in mimicking Modern Family and The Office and vibes like that. But compared to the other sitcoms, I felt that there was more that I want to go back and rewatch more stuff. I'm going to clip on YouTube. A lot of that came last week. The Malcolm in the Middle episode was just so, so damn good. Yeah. And earlier scenes, I feel like I'm going to YouTube more often than ones from this. But I feel like that was because this episode wasn't so much focused on oh, this is a modern family spoof. I felt like it was like, okay, this week we're getting into the modern family stuff, but we're focused on evolving where Wanda is because a lot of this episode was focused on her stress and her frustration with everything going on. And it felt more like modern family was in the background as opposed to the past weeks when the sitcom kind of took precedence. I think, and I think what you just explained right there is a masterstroke of using the different styles of storytelling from each decade to move this story along. Like it was so efficient the way they used the talking heads to, you know, you know, obviously it was fun. You know, the, the talking heads is always fun to see. And the music was very much modern family arrested development style. And you know, the mm-hmm. office intro got you in that mindset and it was all very exciting but they used the talking heads so well to, you know, explain the grief that Wanda's going through, the emotional state that her and Vision were in. And, in, in you know, they had their comedic beats. Darcy had a great talking head comedy moment. Agatha had, uh, wow. Spoiler, 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 spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> um, Agnes had, an like, the, the biggest laugh out loud moment this show has had so far. I, de- I actually did buy the kid once, you know what I mean? They mm-hmm. used the talking heads for the comedy beats like we're all used to. But when you look at Wanda's talking head stuff and Vision's couple moments of the talking head, it really just breaks down where they're at mentally in such a great way. And I just want to give a quick shout out to Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany. They have embraced, formulized, and endured every single decade of television so well. Every single episode, I come out thinking, wow, Paul Bettany is a great Phil Duffy. Uh, or whatever his name. What's his name? I, I think you got it. It's Phil Phil something. something. Okay. Yeah. Uh, 
Paul Bettany did a great Phil impression there. Uh, Wanda did a great Bond mom for Modern Family. You go back, you go back a little bit. They did a great 80s couple. They did a great I Love Lucy couple. They are so good at adapting to the decade of television from an acting standpoint and then also switching right out and giving us Viz, giving us Wanda. And it's just, you know, they, they deserve all of the awards. Paul Bettany deserves the awards. Elizabeth Olsen should get every Best Actress award that there is coming up. I'm considering switching it from Lizzie Olsen to Beth Olsen. I haven't okay. decided what nickname I like more yet. I've been calling her Lizzie for literally like five years now. Mm. But I think Beth could play a little bit, you know, after Queen's Gambit. That name's got a lot of momentum. Just a little side tangent that I think about at night. And... um. <laughs> The Nexus commercial, it was the first one, I think, that didn't have any sort of obvious connection to something we have already seen in the MCU. This had a very forward-thinking vibe. Um, for those who don't know, there's really three main theories for what this Nexus commercial could be referring to. The first one is a look back in the MCU. Um, you know, it's a pretty decent movie. And, and Age of Ultron. Um, the Nexus is the basically security database center that Jarvis lives in and blocks Ultron from getting the security codes. And that's where um, Tony goes to find Jarvis, essentially, in the Nexus. So it could be a reference to that, which would be very cool. Um, the other two, more of a deep cut comic book thing, is um, the Nexus of the Multiverse and the Nexus characters within the multiverse. So the Nexus of the multiverse is essentially the gateway to navigating the multiverse. Think about when Tony discovered time travel in um, Avengers Endgame. That little watch he made, that little uh, inverted spear thing he made. Inverted um, Mobius strip. That, that was awesome. Um, the inverted Mobius strip is essentially the Nexus of the multiverse. You know, it's 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 how you navigate it. It's how you enter different points. So that very much plays, and I think it opens up a lot of theories. But the last one, and one that the tagline I think really uh, plays to, are Nexus characters in the Marvel universe. A Nexus character is a character in the Marvel universe that there is only one of, one of one. You know, all these different multiverses, all these different versions. It's comic book guys. There's multiple mm -hmm. versions of every character. But Nexus characters are the one and only. There's one Nexus character for each of them. Both Wanda and Vision in the comics are Nexus characters in the tagline. The world doesn't revolve around you, but it could. So um, personally, I think it's more of the navigating the multiverse nod than anything else. But the Nexus character thing, I think, has a really awesome meta vibe to it. Um, but yeah, I think they, once again, nailed the sitcom thing. Are we done? with the sitcoms is this it so so you know it's me gotta be it right you know me the trailer footage guy right you know yeah, i yeah, always yeah. analyze what what frames we got left wanda's attire in that scene in one of the early trailers of this is our home then let's fight for it it's the same you know she she flies with the magic um the sweatpants and the sweater too same exact what she was wearing here so that leads me to believe that next week for the first time, yeah, for the first time, we're going to have the same setting because how you can't go further from here. We're in the 2010s of sitcoms. Like there is no 2020s. One nice little nod that they did have, though, was when she woke up, she was still in her Halloween costume, which basically means 
So good, right? So good. She, oh, dude, I love that costume. I love that costume so much. <laughs> Her waking up still in the costume and acknowledging that based on what she did last night means that this changed overnight. You know, mm-hmm. we had been thinking, we had seen her change it in real time before she the the color get introduced in episode two. Um, but this was our first real confirmation that there was no other like missing episodes. Because remember how the sword agents kind of hinted Pregnancy. that something else was going on, right? You know, like there might we might be seeing one episode of this era of sickness. Is this congruent time wise? Exactly. Yeah. And the fact that this, you know, happened the day after the mm-hmm. Halloween episode means it literally changed overnight, which is a nice, interesting uh, tidbit. And hopefully we get it explained how that happens. Yeah. And- uh, does she do it in her sleep? You know, what's going on? Well, maybe it's not her. Um, and, Ooh. you know, we got to tease a little bit in episode three, you know, when the doctor comes over to check out um, Wanda because she's pregnant and he's just a super chauvinistic sexist pig. Um, but, um, you know, Vision mentioned, so where would she be in, I don't know, 12 hours? So that was our first clue that this was happening day by day. But then you have that moment where Wanda wakes up in her Halloween costume. But also Darcy says, I've been watching WandaVision for a week now. So Darcy's only been there a week. And then Vision even says that all of these terrible things that have happened to her and Wanda happened a mere few weeks ago. So this is all very much a contained day by day story, which is super interesting. And I think that transitions well into our first set of characters we're gonna talk about vision and darcy has there ever been a better couple i mean these two the 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 veterans of the mcu these are two phase one day one characters in the marvel cinematic universe and they got a ton of screen time together it was um super fun you know uh the fact that darcy lewis when she entered the hex um I, I I had this text earlier. I'm going to see if I can remember it. Kat Dennings playing Darcy Lewis playing an escape artist in WandaVision is essentially just Kat Dennings playing Kat Dennings, mm-hmm. which is super meta and I love it. But um, so, uh, but Vision unlocks Darcy almost right away. I think something we predicted last week that they were going to be tag teaming and really putting the pieces together on the inside. It was all exploration. This was a moment for Darcy to catch Vision up on what's really happening. Vision was curious. Vision was snooping. And he and he was looking for every answer he could. Darcy gave it all to him, which is great. Um, their chemistry was awesome. Their talking heads were awesome. I love the fun little uh, problems that they ran into with the traffic and the rain and all that stuff. Um, I felt like that's where the show slowed down in this one episode which with these 38 minute episodes any any little scene that is a little bit lagging it's going to stand out a little bit but um you know exploration is necessary especially in a tv show and i think this was a fun way to put it in there yeah you mentioned the conversations they have in is it the ice cream truck it's a a, uh, funnel cake truck funnel cake that's that's they're at a circus right the the conversations they have are kind of funny because she's explaining Mm -hmm. to him his past and the way she explains it to him is how I would explain the MCU to someone that doesn't watch it. She doesn't say Thanos. She says, Oh, the bad bad guy guy. killed you. Not, not Thanos ripped the mind stone out of your head. And this has great significance because I just found that (laughs) kind of funny. Um, And then you mentioned, you mentioned the pacing uh, kind of slowing down. I was like screaming at my TV when they came to the red light and they're like, Oh damn, another red light. I'm like, none of it's real. Run it. 
There's yeah. no other cars <laughs> on the street. Dude. Like, let's keep moving. Like, but hey, to Darcy, this is as real as it gets. She's in WandaVision, dude. This is her favorite yeah. show. Yeah, she, wants to play by, she wants to play by the rules, which is funny, but I, I just remember like being like, it doesn't matter. You're not going to get pulled over. And even if you do, just, just punch them, you know, yeah. get out of there. That's yeah, what you I do know. to the strong man. It Might was as well. genuinely stressful. It was genuinely yeah. stressful. Um, but yeah, so, uh, you know, Darcy and Vision had a big exploration plot here, but let's move on to one of the best new characters in the MCU, Monica Rambeau and Sword. Let's start let's start with Sword and then we'll gush about Monica, okay? So we learned that that last firewall that Darcy had to hack through, which is bleh, but um the 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 final bit of information about Tyler Hayward that Darcy uh gathered and sent to Jimmy Woo is that something that I think maybe we all expected. Tyler Hayward wasn't trying to decommission or store or keep Vision safe. He was trying to turn Vision back on. And it nothing worked until Mana until Wanda got a hold of him. So that really pivoted really quickly into what Tyler Hayward's motivations could be. Is this a situation where he was trying to turn Vision back on? Wanda stole him, started the hex, and now Vision's on. Now Tyler Hayward's interested? Or is there some chess pieces being moved in front of those events because Tyler Hayward knew that Wanda was the only way to get Vision running again? You know, obviously he's trying to weaponize the most powerful robot in the history of this universe. Wanda seems to be the only one that was able to do it, and that is what got Tyler Hayward and Sword incredibly interested. I'm really curious to see how his motivations play out long term and where they began. Like at what point was Wanda the key to turning on vision in Tyler Hayward's head? I'm very fascinated as to where Sword and Hayward go from here, because when they first got introduced into the show, it kind of felt like, okay, here's the government organization we need, because we need a government organization on the outside. And here's the the director who, you know, conflicts with our main characters and, and doesn't make everything super easy. The fact that he has greater motivations, you know, his motivations with Vision are going inevitably to sprinkle into future MCU movies. Like this isn't a one-time thing of, oh, I need vision for my evil plan that's going to be wrapped up in this season. Like, I feel like this is a bigger universe type scheme he's working on here. Um, and yeah, I'm just, I'm fascinated to see where it goes. You mentioned that email that Darcy sends to Jimmy Woo. What I think is very interesting um, is in that email, she mentions that uh, Hayward sent a decoy into Westview, a decoy email into Westview, alerting them all. As you remember, we got that decoy email. I believe it was episode five. Episode five, five when five. when when Norm and everyone are repeating like that's so much led, energy. That's what led like, to Wanda and Vision's big fight. Correct, and then he uh, snapped Norm out of it and all that. That email on the screen in episode five was sent by Darcy. So why did Tyler Hayward send an email to Vision pretending to be Darcy? Why is he pretending to be someone else? Is this because he has successfully maybe turned on Vision for a moment and then he went down and Vision would recognize Tyler Hayward. This guy means bad news. There's a reason why Tyler Hayward was catfishing Vision, essentially. Mm -hmm. There's a reason why he was pretending to be someone else. It's because he doesn't want Vision to know, you know, oh my God, that's the guy that was experimenting on me. And another layer on that, knowing that he sent that email now, it adds a new context 
to last week when Vision is trying to escape Westview and Tyler Hayward goes, huh, he really does want out, doesn't he? The way he says that line implies that he already knew Vision wanted to escape. I think that there was some sort of email exchange between Hayward and Vision off screen when, you know, they got that email from Darcy and everyone's reading it monotone together. Mm -hmm. I think Vision, you know, goes home or stays at the office after hours a little bit, takes the time to respond what's going on. They kind of go back and forth a little bit and he expresses his desire to get out of there. That's why Hayward would say, man, he really does want out of here. Him saying he really does implies that he already knew he wanted out. So Hayward, right. man, you're fishy as hell, and I don't yeah. like it. Yeah, and and he also has a line in this episode where he kind of talks about, all right, we're going to get ready to attack, you know, something like that. You know I mean? We're about to go in. So, you know, while so many pieces are inside the hex about to just combust, there is still one exterior force that is S.W.O.R.D. and Tyler Hayward that is going to make their way in and bring that third level of action. So it's super sus. It's super exciting. <sighs> what a scene. Monica Rambeau has been a part of two of the best visual scenes in recent MCU history. Like, like he, she, Teona Paris is killing it, bro. Killing it. So she tries to get into the hex after a very big letdown of a reveal from the aerospace engineer meetup. I think it's... I think it's widely considered that we don't think that the woman that she met there was the aerospace engineer that she was talking about. We'll see him or her later on down the line. We could speculate on who that is. We'll get to that later in the episode. But um, basically, they try to get in. She can't with the truck because the truck is too different. You know what I mean? The 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 hex doesn't recognize the truck enough to let it in. But Wanda, uh, But Monica realizes, I can get in. I've been in and out of this thing twice. I can break through this thing and make my way through somehow, some way. And she does in the moment between outside and inside the hex where different versions of Monica are swarming around her. And she hears all of the emotional dialogue that we got from Captain Marvel in that one scene. Just chills thinking about all the different emotions going through her head. And she comes out of the other end. She lifts her head up and that amazing fro goes back and we see the white eyes and she has officially become spectrum and it is so exciting to see a marvel superhero origin story baked into this show about wanda and vision like this was so well done this is such a great soft um pilot for the monica rambo character as spectrum leading into miss marvel leading into captain marvel 2 I think a, a, a Spectrum TV show is almost all but confirmed at this point because she is a character I want more of every single time. And um, I just have to say the visuals of her powers, you know, her eyes glowing that bluish white, the the glow we get when she stands off Wanda in the front yard in Westview, which was a sick scene, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the visuals of her powers. and I cannot wait to see her and Carol on screen together, man. Because unless you can glow like your Aunt Carol, you're not going to get much done. Well, hell, she's glowing, motherfucker. She is here, dude. Spectrum has arrived. So exciting to see the Monica Rambo story played out so well. And two episodes left. I love, I love that it's natural too. You know, it fit into the story. It made sense. And just like you said, I love when 
little niches in the MCU cause origin stories. And then when those characters evolve and get much more tenured, you remember like, oh, that one little moment from WandaVision back in 2021 created this character. The one I always go back to, Age of Ultron, Ulysses Claw, like watching Black Panther, yeah. seeing that he only has one hand or one arm. You're like, that's because Ultron cut it off. And that's just, Ooh, I don't know why. It's so sorry. sick, right? It's <laughs> so sick to, to just be like, the, <laughs> yeah, the intricacies, awesome. the, the way they weave it all together is fantastic. And yeah, I want to shout out, there's an account on Twitter that does like Marvel perfect shots. And that shot of her breaking into the barrier, which is so not just, good. it's not just a, a paper, you know, two-dimensional wall anymore. This is like a 3D you know cube and you have to fight your way through it and it, it's a it's a pretty thick wall it's like a bank vault almost and everything going on the chaos of you know uh Geraldine coming out for a little bit and then her other attire from mm -hmm. the 80s episode it was just one of the more beautiful shots WandaVision has given us so far and I'm just so excited to see what happens further with her her powers because obviously she's aware that something's going on it doesn't shock her that, you know, she hits that superhero landing, Bro. superhero landing, Bro. and it doesn't shock her. So it impl it's implied that, you know, mentally, she's kind of already familiar with what's going on. The fact that she's already familiar, imagine what it's going to be like when she's in full control and knows everything she can do. Tayona Paris, man, she's killing it. Killing it. And, and, and she followed up that superhero landing with a badass line, which is something you don't see in a lot of superhero movies, especially from female heroes. When, you know, she has that amazing superhero landing. She just stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with the most powerful being in this universe and looks at it and goes, I'm not scared of you. Bring it. Bring it, Wanda. And, 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 and it's all driven by her want to help Wanda overcome her grief. Like like the, the emotional groundedness of these two characters, grief being that through line. And 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 Teona Paris, um, Monica, she all she wants to do is help Wanda confront her grief like she's been forced to confront her grief throughout this season. It's just such a masterstroke of introducing characters, dude. Like it's it's MCU at its finest. Like who thought we were going to get such a great Spectrum origin story in one division? Like just so great. And you know, that moves right into the star of the show. Wanda Maximoff herself. We mentioned earlier her her talking head scenes were so well done in demonstrating the emotional turmoil she's going through. Like the the gifable moments, the lightheartedness take she had on depression in this in this show was amazing. You know, I'm starting to think that everything's just meaningless. And you're welcome to your own interpretations, of course, but you know, that's just where I'm at. You know, like like her playing that goofy mom character, but really showing the emotion through that is um, I thought it was great. Um, the, the, the grief aspect of it, I think was so well done and the hostility toward Monica, as soon as she walks into the house, like, like as, as much as she is losing control of this universe and as much as she is essentially accepting the madness that's happening, she still feels incredibly threatened by sword and any other exterior forces. What do we think about Wanda's character study in this episode? Obviously, we'll get to the big reveal afterwards. It's going to change a lot of what we're about to talk about. But, I mean, I feel like this episode was such a great look into Wanda's point of view from all of this. You know what I mean? Because she seemed very sunshines and roses up to this episode. This episode, even though I felt underwhelmed and even though I felt kind of stalled momentum a little bit, this episode certified Wanda Maximoff 
as one of my favorite characters in the MCU. Let's I'll tell go. you what. Little, Let's little, go. <laughs> little personal anecdote here. Um, she reminded me so much of my mom in this episode. Like yeah. my Brenda, shout out Brenda Crowley. Hey, Brenda um, Crowley, what a lady, huh? Brenda Crowley, if you're, he's if got you're a hell of a head of hair, Brenda. <laughs> <laughs> she wants me to cut it so bad. It's yeah, it's bet. getting bad. Um, but me to come on too. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know she she supports the show on Twitter. I don't know if she listens to every episode, but Wanda is doing so much, mm-hmm. so much. She's exerting so much energy. It's a thankless job. Her husband doesn't acknowledge that, you know, she's trying to create happiness right now. And he's like trying to fight out of Westview and her kids are kind of being, you know, they're, they're rascals and they're playing video games. and They're fighting a little bit and they're causing her a little bit of stress. Like, I mean, I'm not going to like say that my mom is Wanda Maximoff. What I'm saying, though, is she does a lot. And a lot of the time it goes underappreciated and just moms in general. Like this was even from the attire of her walking down the stairs in sweatpants and a bathrobe. And that's not her being lazy. That's her just being exhausted from mm-hmm. doing so much work and getting no recognition so uh yeah wanda maximoff all of a sudden is just really hitting home she's reminded me a lot of uh good old brenda crowley so mom if you're listening uh you're doing uh you're doing great and uh, yeah i appreciate it i appreciate everything you do she's i acknowledge great. the the great dream world you've created for me and i i hope it's real i hope you're not you know trapping yeah, me in an alternate reality as long as she's not using the crying laughing emoji, I think your mom's at a good spot. But um, <laughs> I think that another another great way is just, you know, relatable. You know what I mean? Like when Agnes comes over and says, hey, kids, why don't you come with me and give your mom a little me time? Wanda doesn't like, oh, are you sure? Wanda doesn't fight back. She's like, oh, hell yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Let's do it. Like, dude, like- it was... I think I just think it was such a good relatable moment for Wanda. This this was a very simpatico episode for Wanda. This th- we spent the last six episodes. I was convinced she was the villain. This brought us back to sympathizing with Wanda a little bit because at the very end of this episode, word picture, word picture, word picture. So Monica comes and confronts Wanda one more time. Eyes closed, and, everyone. Eyes closed. Eyes closed. Shut up. Unless you're driving. Then just close one eye. Um, Monica comes over to confront Wanda one more time. They have an amazing superhero standoff in the front yard. And they're, they're battling. They're going back and forth. Monica seems to be getting through to Wanda a little bit. And just in time, here comes Agnes, the nosy neighbor, to tell Monica to back off. And Wanda, being comforted by Agnes, goes with her to Agnes's house because she's stressed. And Agnes seems to be the only one supporting her. They go into their, her living room. Agnes, hey, can I make you some tea, honey? Please, just calm down. Everything's going to be okay. Wanda sits there. She takes a deep breath. She notices that there's half-eaten peanut butter and jelly sandwiches on the table. Half-drank tea out of cups also on the table. Yo Gabba Gabba playing on the television. Where are my kids? Where are the twins? Agnes, they were over here. Where are they? Oh, they're probably in the basement. So Wanda walks down. Dark basement. Typical suburban basement. You know, not a lot of lighting. Wood stairs. Cement walls. Takes a left. It gets a little creepier. Cobwebs. Broken walls. The music gets a little more ominous. A purple glow from the corners of the room. The aspect ratio changes to a 4 by 3 
I, I, I lose my breath watching. Wanda turns a corner and sees a witch's harem, sees, sees a room full of mystical, dark, evil objects and, and, and portraits and homages to satanic and ridiculously sinister, sinister things. And walking around the corner, it's not Agnes anymore, guys. We are introduced to Agatha Harkness, the other magician in this hex, the other witch of this show. And it was Agatha all along. <laughs> what an amazing scene. What an amazing aspect ratio change that gave me chills all throughout my body. And it opens up so many questions. And I'm going to start off with, how did they do this? How did they take the most bona fide, certified, easy to predict plot twist in this show? For a year and a half, we've known that Catherine Hahn playing Agnes the Nosy Neighbor probably going to be Agatha Harkness. But they spent six episodes convincing us otherwise. We thought she was dead. We thought that she was um, just another trapped uh, Westview citizen. We thought that she was the missing person that Jimmy Wu was looking for. And they convinced us that this isn't as big of a bad as we thought. Nope. You guys were right the first time. Agatha Harkness, and she's behind everything. She's the, like Liam said last week, the producer of WandaVision. What an amazing twist. Liam, I want to hear your thoughts on the Agatha Harkness reveal and the scene, the tense, tense, dark scene that led up to it. So I wonder if like Marvel's putting plants on Twitter to stir up conversation that it's Mephisto, it's nightmare, because like somehow they drove, not they specifically, but fandom drove the conversation to be, it's one of these two characters that hasn't been on screen yet. And like you said, the most obvious right in front of our faces, her name literally is Agnes. Agatha Harkness. It literally makes so much sense. And we all just, it glossed over our heads because they made her the most consistent supporting character until last week where we barely got any of her, you know, kind of making us forget that she's consistently in the show. Right. And now they bring her back in and do this huge reveal. I will say though, I'm willing to give this show as I give all Marvel always the benefit of the doubt in terms of explaining, pulling this off because it felt too... I know it's within a sitcom, but that moment kind of transfers into traditional Marvel. And the fact that she was just, oh, no, you can go down the basement. And, oh, you're going down the basement. Now I'll reveal myself to you. Why now? Is it because she has her kids now? Like, what's going on there? When she had the kids, too, she never appeared sinister to them. She was like, oh, we'll put on TV. Here's some sandwiches. She does a talking head bit. You never suspect for a second in this episode that this twist is going to happen. I'm willing to bet... You know, we're going to get more than just a tongue-in-cheek, it was Agatha all along, montage of So like, good. <laughs> it's so great, right? But I'm, I'm hoping we get more of a, not grounded, but like a more serious explanation as to why she's doing this and how she was pulling the strings because it kind of felt the she was doing it all along comedic bit. It felt too, it felt too sitcom-y for a storyline that's essentially a Marvel Studios storyline that we're getting into now, if that makes sense. Right. As far as why, I'm going to touch on a couple points you just made. As far as like why now, 
I think it's because Wanda's losing it a little bit. You know what I mean? Wanda's losing Fair. control of. She's keeping... vulnerable. Yeah, exactly. She's she's not keeping things tight. She expanded the hex, which probably wasn't in you know the hex's best interest. Um, I I I'm starting to think the reason Ag- Agnes was on the edge of town when Vision rolled up, she was trying to stop him. You know what I mean? She was there to try to prevent Vision from causing more problems, even though it really seems like it was a chess move by her. Um, uh-huh. All these different things. But um, I feel like the fact that Wanda's losing it a little bit and losing her grip, that is why Ag- Agatha decided to reveal herself now, because you see at the end, right before Agnes all along plays, we get the purple magic inside Wanda's head, just like the red magic from Age of Ultron when Wanda yeah. got in the Avengers head. You know what I mean? She essentially, I think, reset Wanda. You know what I mean? This is a moment for Agatha to talk face-to-face with Wanda. No secrets, no veils. Hey, listen, this world that you've created, maybe due to me, maybe due to somebody else, this world you've created, you're losing a little bit. You need to tighten up. And and, and I'm going to tell you why. And I think, we're, I think next week we're going to get a lot of explanation from Agatha Harkness, not only on her backstory, not only on her motivations, but how Wanda got to this point. I think next week is going to be a ton of flashbacks as to how we got here. Think about the uh, Monica Rambeau scene when um, she was blipped mm-hmm. and she came back and then we got the sword build up and it led episode four led into episode three. We're going to get Wanda's version of that here in episode eight. And I think that, you know, guys, the, the big mystery has been revealed. Who's behind all this? Who's the big bad? It's Agatha. Now the mystery is why. Now the the big question is what is her motivations? Liam, you seem very excited to tell me something. Well, I, I love the idea of starting next week with you know the the end game style, everyone coming back, and that's Monica's kind of exposition scene of this is what she's been through. Now we're starting the show. If we start next week in Salem, Massachusetts, during the Salem witch trials, and we get Agatha's like kind of not origin, but like you know, where she started out from. That would be fantastic. But Matt, I have a little theory as to how this is all going to get pieced together. And I teased you about it, you know, earlier um, in, in the, our Slack channel. about Agatha's actually that. Mephisto. No, no, but I'm getting there. Um, <laughs> the, I got a comparison. You made a great one about, you know, the potential of this being like a Mads Mikkelsen, Caecilius uh, uh, to Caecilius. Uh, potentially Mephisto being uh, Dormammu in the situation. I want to make a different one uh, going into the wizarding world of Harry Potter. Love it. I think Agatha Harkness is the Peter Pettigrew in this situation. Love it. The twins are like Harry Potter, essentially. She needs them. And uh, Mephisto is the Voldemort. And she's trying to resurrect her master. Mm -hmm. And the way that gets accomplished is by... You know, having the twins play some sort of role in in resurrecting or awakening this this you know sleeping or dormant entity that is Mephisto. You can't have someone as powerful as Mephisto is in the comics enter the MCU without some sort of explanation of why hasn't he been doing stuff all along. You know, Dormammu, we kind of got that explanation of no, these sorcerers are actively working to keep him at bay. I think we need some sort of explanation there um, as to why he hasn't been around. The one thing that pisses me off about the Mephisto theories. I know, pisses me off. Uh, it makes me upset. I, Mr. Mephisto too. is mad about right? Mephisto theories. Because they've become so 
comedic. Like, I think he's going to be in this show and I have like serious step-by-step of why I think so. And then it's just kind of turned into, oh, the bunny's Mephisto, Agatha's Mephisto, Kevin Feige's Mephisto, the street sign's Mephisto. And I understand that (laughs) and all, but the fact that we got Agnes as the reveal in this episode, I think she is the series bad guy, but she's playing the Loki to Thanos role in the first Avengers movie. I think her bigger plot involves uh, some sort of entity that she is obeying. And I Mm -hmm. think that is Mephisto. And I think that whole setup she's got down there, there's going to be some sort of cauldron. Something's going on. It's the book. With with resurrecting this entity. And I think we're going to get that in eight or nine. I think Mephisto will be successfully resurrected. And just because I feel like I'm on a roll, I'm just going to give you my amended theory i no longer think it's evan peters i think we are going to get al pacino in this show as mephisto and the reasoning is because paul bettany has been teasing an actor that he's wanted to work with for a very long time and when in a recent interview he amended that statement saying that people keep saying it's doctor strange and it's this person it's that person it's a character we've never i know not very great it's a character we've never seen before And in a 2014 interview, 2014, 2015, I believe it was in the lead up to Age of Ultron, he mentioned his two heroes growing up were Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. He has never worked with Al Pacino before. Pacino has met with Marvel Studios before. In 2014, he expressed his interest to join the MCU after (laughs) loving Guardians of the Galaxy. It's convoluted. It's crazy. But bookmark this freaking podcast and Mm -hmm. at me in two weeks when I turn out to be 100% right. Al Pacino is played is playing Mephisto in WandaVision. Take it to the bank. I've never been more confident. Please tell me you didn't bet on my Evan Peters theory because that one is in the junkyard. Awful. I'm, si- I'm sending you a Tony Montana um, Funko Pop if that ends up being right. That's okay. happening. That's happening. Okay. I love it. I love it. I think it's a great theory. I, I love it. Or Bob De Niro would be a pretty good devil. He would be pretty sweet. You think? Uh, I can't do the voice. I can do the face. Though. He got the eyes down, though. Oh, my God. So I don't think we're getting Mephisto in this show. Um, I, I think I think he might get mentioned. You know, but there's still a, there's still room here for Agatha to have good intentions. You know, her motivations are the new biggest mystery of this show. There's still a room here for Agatha to just want, you know, want Wanda to be happy, even if it means doing these terrible things. Her her motives could be good. So um, I guess my first my last question, almost last question about Agatha Harkness here. What all? has she had control over you know what i mean we we saw in the agatha all along montage that you know she um warped some of the distractions of wandavision you know what i mean the vision even points it out in episode five yeah episode five where you know uh, what are you going to do you're going to cause another distraction you know you're gonna you're gonna bring somebody to the door and then somebody comes to the door and it's evan peters as pietro we saw agatha was behind that she has been constantly putting things in the way of this mystery being unraveled through vision. That's why I think Agatha versus vision is going to be a really cool dynamic. Cause I don't think, I think it's a clash. Um, but is she in control of the rewinds? Is she in control of cutting things out of the broadcast? Is she in control of the reason this is a TV show? 
So I, what all is she in control of? I think we're going to learn a lot early next episode. You know what I mean? I think the first 10 minutes is going to happen in Agatha's basement. And I think we're getting the MCU aspect ratio the entire episode. I don't think we're getting back to the sitcom style shooting anymore. Like the setting will still be the modern family stuff, but I don't think we're getting the talking heads. I don't think, I think it's going to be straight MCU next episode where we get great exploration from, um, a very much like Dr. Strange and Tilda Swidden, um, uh, uh, the, uh, the Sorcerer Supreme, sorry. Um, mm. The open your eye scene. You know what I mean? I think we're going to get a great giant montage like that explaining how Wanda got there. That's where we'll get our Mind Stone scene. That's where we'll get our, you know, when she lands in the living room and visions of black and white from the trailer, that epic scene that I can't wait for. Um, I, I, I really think we're going to get that. I think we're going to get it early. So the back half next, uh, the next episode is going to be the four superpower beings in this show are all in Westview and are all about to come together. Sorry, five superpower beings. We have Wanda, Agatha, the two most powerful people in the show, followed very, very shortly behind my vision and Spectrum, Monica Rambeau, and also mm-hmm. Pietro showed up. post credit mm-hmm. scene, everybody. Boom. Yeah. Um, so Pietro is still there. So Evan Peters isn't Mephisto, but everybody on the internet is saying that the Evan Peters is the Quicksilver from X-Men theory is dead. I think it's as alive as ever because Agatha brought Evan Peters to that situation to portray Pietro. Obviously you can't bring back Aaron Taylor Johnson. He's dead. They made that very clear earlier on in the show. So I think using the Nexus, Agatha pulled the next best thing as a diversion. Did it work? No. No. Wanda saw right through it half an episode later. You know what I mean? But I I still think the Foxman Quicksilver theory is still very much alive. And also, Agatha ate those kids, right? I like she ate those kids. <laughs> that I feel if if she did, where are they? All, yeah, right. That's the thing. Like, what what's going on? I, I don't think that she like straight up ate them. I think, I think that there, <laughs> there's there's a reason why they were introduced, and there's a reason why the second they're the, the episode they're born in, Pietro shows up at the door as if you know Agatha is sending him there to keep tabs. Because I think one thing we can all agree on after this episode about the mystery of Pietro and Evan Peters playing him is that he is working with Agatha. Snoop right. is gonna snoop. He in immediately one way or he, another. He confronts uh Monica uh-huh. Rambo, who's trying to enter the house. And very much so acting as like a security guard. What are you doing here? Like this, this is in your territory. And the fact that we didn't get him this entire episode, I think speaks to that. The fact that they saved him for a post-credit reveal uh, hints at what his role is going to be moving forward. But yeah, I think maybe he's being brainwashed. Maybe he is the Fox X-Men Quicksilver. But, you know, we keep saying on, on Twitter and everything back when the Mephisto theory was alive, there had to be an explanation as to why Evan Peters. Why, why, why has, Evan Peters? Like, why Evan Peters? That has to be explained yes. somehow, some way. Yes. And I think, you know, you saying, at first, I, I kind of thought the Fox X-Men theory was completely dead, but you explaining it like, maybe Agatha brought him in. And that would make sense because it, it's a different Quicksilver and it's there's it's maybe a way you can get... She could do. It's as good as she can do. And maybe there's a way you can get wanda to fall for it you know maybe you can convince her that you know 
this is your brother because he plays your brother in a different universe, you know? Right. So I, the, the Evan Peters Quicksilver, fittingly so, they, they end the show on that note, the episode on that note. And for that reason, he's like my most intrigued aspect going into next week. So I want to know, what what the hell are you doing here? What's going on? Great transition, Liam. And it is time for everybody's favorite segment of the direct podcast. Lines that matter. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into a very special edition of lines that matter is this our last episode of lines that matter tune in next week to find out because we don't know either mm-hmm. so for this one we're going to do something a little different we're not going to give you lines of dialogue from wandavision that we find interesting that could play out later on because there's two episodes left and as me and liam have explained we are very confident that these last two episodes are going to play a penultimate ultimate finale type role so Every question we have should be answered in the next two episodes. Obviously, there are some questions that will be left unanswered, and that's why they make more of these shows, more of these movies. But the rule that Marvel has, if they bring something up, it pays off at the end. Science. Schrodinger's gun. <laughs> Love that. So what we're going to do for this special segment of Lines That Matters, we're going to manifest the lines that mattered throughout this season into questions we have going into episodes eight and nine. We're going to build a master list of questions that they still need to answer. And then very quickly, we're going to pick which ones we need answered. What questions must me and Liam have answered? And we want to know from you, what questions do you need answered in episodes eight and nine? So we're going to build our list first. I'm going to start off the first question built from lines that matter. Will Vision be alive at the end of this season? Liam. <laughs> I, I want to know the significance of the bunny. You know, she's she's stroking that bunny as she, she goes in. Senior scratches. You know, what's going on there? Why was the bunny caged at the beginning of the episode and everything? The bunny's got to be something. I don't know if it's just uh, uh, Agatha pet. Harkness' pet or if it is someone being transformed. Who knows? Okay. So the bunny. Why? is Pietro Evan Peters. Why Evan Peters specifically? That alludes to they need to reference why it's Evan Peters. That can't just go undone, and they won't make it go undone. It's too much of a glaring what-the-hell moment. Why Evan Peters? Go. What's going on with Ralph, man? Ah! We've heard Ralph get name-dropped <laughs> many times. My husband, Ralph. You know, that was a pretty empty house, Agatha, Agnes. Uh-huh. What's going on there? Where's your husband at? Is it because your husband's Al Pacino and he's not alive right now? Maybe so. Wait. Maybe he's the buddy. Um, so the next one, is there an even bigger bad? You know, is there a Mephisto behind Agatha? Is there a nightmare? Is it Dormammu? You know, could is there someone pulling the strings that are pulling the strings for Agatha Harkness? Uh, what is going on with Tyler Hayward? We gotta know what that plan is. What His motivations what for? Yeah, what are you what are you sentinizing vision for? What's going on there? We gotta know. Who is the aerospace engineer that Monica has teased so often? Liam? Where are the twins, man? Where What's are going they? on with the twins? Where Wicked are these kids? Are they going to be young Avengers? Or are they just going to be scapegoats in the series? Where are they? We need Be- to know. Better actors this time, by the way. Um, why a sitcom? I think Agatha's behind it, but why? Why a sitcom? Is it because is it because she's a showman? Because she, that seems to be a possibility. But why a sitcom? 
who is Bettany's dream co-star? It's a kind of an <laughs> yeah. off off camera question. But yeah. Keeps teasing it. And he's added a new layer this week yep. saying that it's someone we've never seen before. I don't know. I love Paul Bettany. He's fantastic. Um, what are Agatha Harkness's motivations? Why does she want Wanda to create this utopia? Why is she so invested in this Wanda dream world? Not an Agatha dream world, a Wanda dream world. Did Agatha, speaking off of that question, did Agatha convince Wanda to do this? Did she mind control her to do this in the beginning? Or did Wanda just do this on her own and she just kind of snuck her way in and Took said, advantage. this can factor into my plan? Mm -hmm. Love it. Who is the missing person for Jimmy Woo? Smaller one, but who is this missing person? Dottie? Could it be Dottie. We got a very brief flash of Dottie in the. She episode. was there, but she still doesn't have a name on the wall. And uh, I guess my final question: Are we gonna get that line? Are we gonna get that iconic House of M line? Mm. No, more mutants, straight up more mutants, or just something completely mutants. different? <laughs> mutants. Um, I got a couple more. Are the kids real? Are they real? I, you know, what's up with the kids? Where are the kids? Will they survive after season one of WandaVision? Who knows? And then my last one, the commercials, are they linked or are they just for us? Who knows? That is a huge list. That is a giant list of questions that need to be answered. But we have two big episodes coming. Liam, what is your number one question that you need answered? I mean, I know we're going to get the answer to this because Bettany said it, but like, I need to know who the co-star is because okay. Matt, I'm so freaking hooked on this theory and I, I just, I'm desperate to be proven right. <laughs> is it double points for you if that co-star is Ralph? I guess so. You know what I mean? Like I is, if yeah. Paul Bettany's dream co-star ends up playing Ralph, I think that's double Liam points here. I'll take it as a two point conversion. Yeah, there you go. Mine is why Evan Peters? Why Evan mm. Peters? You know what I mean? And and the one I'll throw out there for the fans, because Twitter is fixated on it, who is the aerospace engineer? I think it's a post-credit scene reveal. I think that's what we're going to get. Guys, that has been a very special edition of Lines That Matter. If you have a question that you need answered on a vision that we did not touch on today, please send it to us on the Twitters. And guys, that's another wrap for another amazing episode of WandaVision. This show is on its way to a big finale. And if they do it right, all-timer. I'll say it. A little preview. Top 10 MCU. It's got all the pieces are there. You nailed the landing. Top 10 MCU project. And that has been WandaVision Review. We'll see you next week for WandaVision, episode 8. It was Agatha all along. Ladies and gentlemen, that is another episode of The Direct podcast it has been a fun one thank you for joining us thank you for listening in please do us a favor please just just take a couple seconds out of your day head over to itunes apple podcast throw us a five-star review please let us know how much you love this show and if you don't love it and you just kind of want to fake it and give us a five-star review anyway we would appreciate it we thank you all so much we can't appreciate you guys enough we do it for you and we thank you very much liam what is your weekly recommendation for things you love outside of these amazing movie universes? Kind of stumped this week because there was nothing this week that really stood out to me as to what to recommend. I loved NXT TakeOver. I thought Pete Dunne uh, 
Finn Balor was phenomenal. Did on anything Sunday. crazy happen? Did anybody, you know, oh. turn heel that pissed a lot of people off? And maybe a professional athlete that I know and love was absolutely right the entire time. Did that happen to happen? Yeah, shout all? out Pat McAfee. You were right. right. Adam Cole is a scumbag and he might have just fractured the Undisputed Era forever. My favorite wrestling faction of all time. Don't do this, Adam. Please <laughs> just shake Kyle O'Reilly's hand. Hashtag Pat was right. Hashtag Pat was right. Uh, I guess my weekly recommendation this week then is going to be ahead of WandaVision's uh, two-part season finale. Rewatch your favorite MCU movie. Mm-hmm. I rewatched the Love Falcon. Uh, not, I didn't rewatch the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I rewatched Cap Winter Soldier uh, recently. I like to revisit it like once every couple months. You know, I don't want to oversaturate it over, you know, once watch it too months. much. <laughs> once every couple months. That's you know? a lot. <laughs> I know, but I like to like, I don't know, keep it somewhat fresh. Uh, Don't, you know, watch it too much. Like once every three or four, you know, once a quarter, once a third. That's how I have a Um, But man, I I just, I love that movie. And I don't know what it is, but maybe watching it with a more adult lens, a lot of themes kind of really hit home a a little bit more. So rewatch your favorite MCU movie, see if it changed. I'm going to stick right there with you. Go listen to the Trouble Man soundtrack by Marvin Gaye. Because that is a damn good soundtrack. Marvin Gaye, one of the greatest pop singers of all time, a smooth R&B kind of guy, and a Sam Wilson favorite. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to play it at the end of this episode. Trouble Man, check it out. And, uh, guys, that's been a wrap. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Checking trouble, sure, moving down the line. I come apart, baby, but that's okay, cause trouble man, don't get in my way. I come apart, baby. I've been for real, baby. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah. I, I think they're gonna stick between that 35-45 range, just because I mean they've. They haven't heard from that at all. Like the finale yeah. is probably going to be the longest. Yeah, I think the finale will push an hour. To be honest, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. The way this is all shaping up, it just, it's mm-hmm. gonna. Or, dude, what if next week was like an hour or like an hour ten, and then the last one was like another thirty-fiver? That'd be so sick. That'd be cool. But the, I pin, feel like the people... pin ultimate, like the ultimate <laughs> pin ultimate. <laughs> I know, but Twitter would be like, "Well, finale is thirty minutes." Could not care. Could not care less about those people. Like yeah, I, I, know, right? I, I think I tweeted this out the other day. The only, the only criticism for this show is that there's not enough of it every single week. Can you believe, like, honestly, uh, the response when it was confirmed to be 38 minutes and people were like, "Boycott Marvel." Do you know how selfish that sounds? It's like it's like if um, if somebody uses I don't know arbitrary crying laughing emoji right and like boycott <laughs> that generation because they're not clever enough point at the top of your fucking screen <laughs> sorry <laughs> i just love the crying laughing emoji <laughs> oh you genuinely do why you're, is that a crying? problem why is that a fucking problem <laughs> i mean like what? i did too in middle school oh my fuck <laughs> Fucking idiot. Why don't you use like an actual crying mode? Be a little more ironic, you dumb fuck. <laughs> That's 
all I hear, man. If I, if you non-clever motherfucker. <laughs> if I sent you something that I wanted to be funny and you sent me crying laughing emojis in return, I would be like, man, I, I fucked up. Yeah, that sounds like a self-conscious issue. That sounds like a, that sounds like a, uh, you know, morale boost problem that you have. Yeah, well, <laughs> if you said, ha, what the ha, fuck ha. does that even mean? <laughs> what the fuck does no, that even actually, mean? Actually, no, the way to laugh today is by reacting to a message on, on, on the iMessage. You know, like you hold it down, you press ha ha. Oh, see that, that that goes into the next thing. Oh, you Android users, you dumb motherfuckers. I mean, yeah. No, I'm with you on that though. Blue bubble. <laughs> it's just so satisfying. Yeah, you can name your group chats. It's beautiful. 